All right, we're back. Episode 16 of the Young Old Heads podcast. 16 episodes nowadays. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards. I'm here with my good friend and host, Max, aka Cards Max. Cards Max, how you doing, man? It is 11.48 p.m. on a Sunday night. This is Young Old Heads after dark. It is a Sunday night. I have to do my shipping for Monday morning after this, and I am living life. Yeah, we love a late night edition of the Young Old Heads podcast. Hey, I was I even sold some cards today. Very rare. Um, so I'll be shipping out tomorrow. But I'm back home in California this week for my sister's wedding on Saturday. So I have to get all my stuff together for that. But I also obviously I'm doing cards. Cards don't sleep. Cards don't care what else I'm doing in life. So I I'm out here. I'm organizing my gold cup binder, which actually, Max, big announcement here. Gold cup, bind- gold cup binder has officially become gold cup binders with two the hundred page big thick binders no longer fit all my gold cups i had to expand to two two binders so that's my big news from coming home are you are you using a zip folio or using a traditional three ring oh i i go traditional three ring with my big pieces um the folios i like for when i'm at pack in chicago i like that for like having one really nice folio to show off to my friends who like don't know anything about cards and being like hey flip through this like you know whatever it is like 20 pages or whatever um but when i'm home i like to, you know i'm a bulk collector i like to have a lot of different cards a lot of cheap cards so i like my big thick 100 plus page binders um if you ever if anyone once i have my own place in chicago and have enough space to like actually have all my binders out there which is probably like around 10 10 100 you're i was gonna say your own place in chicago is a metaphor for the new young old head studio yeah true when we expand to a studio and have my own my own apartment i mean i have an apartment but it's just extremely small. So if anyone knows what, if any of my homies are out there listening to this who have seen my apartment, they know that I can't fit 10 hundred plus page binders in there. But uh, yeah, that's why I have to bring cards home. It's a classic young old heads dilemma of what cards do I keep on my person and what cards do I store at my parents' house? Do you, I know that's something that you often, I mean, you're living with your parents right now, right? Yes. I'm living with my parents right now when I was away in college, it was always an ordeal shipping my or in some cases driving my eBay inventory to and from college and recognizing which stuff that I want to bring with me to school, which stuff I don't because my, you know, my PC, PC stuff, the Severino binder did not come with me to North Carolina. What if my house burned down? Then I wouldn't have my Severino binder. I have to make I have, sure touch space in New York. I have a box of cards here that I'm like, if the house is burning, you guys, I tell this to my parents, you guys better take this box with you because this is important but can we get a life update max we haven't really got a cards max life update in a little bit can we get one so life update is i am sending out job applications during the weekdays and i am at card shows during the weekends i hit up two shows this weekend i believe it was the big apple empire state show on saturday and then my local long island show on sunday and then I've been setting up at a show in Middlesex, New Jersey, I believe this com- upcoming Saturday, this upcoming Saturday or this upcoming Sunday, but it's in Middlesex, New Jersey. And then the following weekend is the East Coast National at Rockland Community College. I believe it's for it's a, either two or three day show. I know there is a trade night, but that should be the biggest show in the country during that week. And that's always fun. I like my Dang, guy. I- 
See, I don't even associate myself with the East Coast at all, at all. So when I hear about these things happening, I just don't even register with me because I don't, they're not happening to me as someone living on the West Coast as Midwest. But Max, you mentioned something that I don't hear you say often. I hear you going to card shows a lot. We start most episodes talking about a card show that one of us have been at, but you're setting up at a show? I am setting up at a show. The table fee was very affordable and i know i've had a few unofficial setups in the past but this will be an official cards max setup in middlesex new jersey on saturday you love saying middlesex new jersey but well can, how, can how we talk about this is this your first time setting up at a show officially this is my first time setting up at a show officially i'm not sure what my game plan is i've been surveying a few other friends who set up sometimes I know because the biggest thing that I've heard is that the most important thing isn't selling your own cards. And we've talked about this last episode in that card shows are a flea market per se for cards because everything is going to be under comps no matter what. But you want to be the buyer so that you can sell online if you're focused on the profiting and the making money aspect. Obviously, in conjunction with shows is finding the huge dollar bin buys the show that I went to today, my local show, I had $30 in the dollar bins. And that was that I did not touch a single higher end card. I think something worth more than $5, but setting up at this show, I know it's a small show, so I don't know what entirely to expect. I know that I'm going to be open-minded. I know I'm going to have my cards on a table and I'm going to use that to talk about them because I enjoy talking about my own cards. I have a nice compact card backpack and all of my cards and, and graded cards are sleeved. And that is something I've debated a lot, whether to sleeve your top loaders and graded cards, because I think they make the eye appeal worse. But for cosmetics and for labeling purposes, I'm sleeving my cards. And this is a big moment for me when I inevitably will set up officially next week in, in the town that I apparently love, Middlesex, New Jersey. You just threw so much info at me there. I lo- I'm just absorbing it for I, I mean, what I heard. What I heard there is you're excited to set up because one, you can buy at cheaper prices because people will come to you as a dealer and be like, "Hey, I'm willing to offload this to you at this percentage of comps." Is that what I heard? Give or take, yes. And some people just want cash, and that's completely okay. Like the whole purpose is to cash someone out to give them more show money, to give them cards that were otherwise just sitting in their closet and to take the work off it. But I try to be really transparent in saying, I am not going to be eBay. I'm going to be this number. That's 70% is the convenient number if, if you're selling to me. Because really, I don't really want to be buying. You know, In the context of cashing people out, I don't want to buy at full price. Of course, there are many times that I buy at comps or above comps. And usually that's for online stuff that's rarer that I have more of an intent behind than just cold hard flip. Yeah. And you bought some cards. You posted, you're always posting cards on Twitter saying, Hey, I bought these this week. You bought a card last week that sparked my own attention as a collector and was one that I was surprised I hadn't seen in a picture of you taking a selfie with or something before. But can you tell the, the people anxiously waiting on the other end of this podcast, what card I'm talking about? The, the roots. roots. Uh, oh, I'm hearing my echo. Wait. No, you're good, bro. You're good. Okay. I, I was worried. I was worried. I, th- I think you're good. I think you're good. No, we're rolling. We're rolling. Keep it rolling. Sure. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Blooper, blooper reel. 
believe um, it. So the roots of this podcast, one of the things that really spurred this was our, me and Tommy's strong dissection of Topps Chrome autographs and of Hall of Fame candidates who have Topps Chrome autographs. And one of the biggest cruxes in the entire run is Buster Posey, who only has a Topps Chrome wrapper refractor autograph from 2010, which has 92 total copies. This past weekend, I officially acquired said autograph. It is probably the most valuable card that I have owned. And Tommy, that's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) And Tommy, it may be in his home in the near future. We're working a Young Old Heads insider deal to see if we can make it happen because Tommy is a big Giants fan and collector. And he wants to, word of the week, consolidate. Yes. Can I can I go on a little rant here about this card and why it's you, so special? You can go on a big rant. All right. All right. So Max buys this card. I see it on his Twitter feed. I go, what the hell, Max? You own this card? As you said, there's 92 copies. You know how many copies are graded? A significantly less amount than 92. So in my head, there's probably 20 of these that exist. They're Buster Posey. His base card in Topps Chrome 2010 as a rookie is a redemption as well. But there's also an autograph redemption, which is the one Max got. He has a 9-5-10 BGS, which is unbelievable. Um, I never see this card. I think I've seen two possibly at shows. Maybe one was at the National. Um, This is a card that just never pops up. And as you said, we've talked about, I think it was back with Mason. A great episode if anyone is like looking to learn about like flagship rookies and that whole weirdness of rookie cards. It goes in episode three with a 33 card shop, Mason, one of the one of our favorite collectors out here. Um, but no, that Buster Posey card, in terms of my collection, is one that I was like, maybe 10 years down the line, I could get my hands on it. Um, but when I called you yesterday from the airport flying home, I was like, Max, what do I got to do to make this happen? You gave me a number that it seems reasonable to me to consolidate. Um, I have never actually consolidated, though. So in all honesty, I'm a collector. And people know that I have a lot of cards. I have a lot of binders. I talked about that at the beginning. But I don't really sell off stuff that I like very often, mainly because I don't buy beyond my means. I buy, you know, cheap cards. I buy every paycheck. I'll spend a portion of it on some cheap, you know, cards that I think are cool. Every once in a while, I'll splurge if I get like a, like my COVID checks or whatever, or my tax return, I'll spend a little bit more money on a cool card. But this is the first card that's ever made me go, all right, I need to sell stuff that I actually really like to make this happen. So what I'm doing is I'm going to have a huge sale on Twitter and I'll probably sell some on eBay as well to try to, to collect the funds. Something that is great, Max, is that you're letting me have some time here to make it happen, which you know I will make it happen. But um, yeah, so keep an eye out. TV Sports Cards on Twitter is going to have a huge sale next week post the wedding at my sister's wedding. Um, it's going to be selling a lot of cool rookie cards, a lot of cool PC stuff, but also just like superstars that I've like bought cards of throughout the years because I thought they were cool. So um just keep an eye out for that it'll be a lot of different values of cards nothing less than a dollar but nothing you know up to five hundred dollars possibly depending on how i'm feeling so um keep an eye out for that there's gonna be some cool 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 stuff um but yes when i saw that card max it was the first time in my entire collecting life where i was like i'm gonna sell a bunch of stuff to make this happen and i appreciate you being the dealer slash collector that you are where you understand how important a card like that could be to my collection and what something that I will always hold. And whenever you come hang out at my apartment in the future, 
you will always see that card and know that you hooked it up. And I appreciate that. So this is just another great story of a dealer blessing a collector and also just a different way of like, I think consolidating is something that I, a lot of people talk about a lot because I see, oh, I don't want to trade. I don't want to try to trade something on Twitter because that means that someone's going to say, hey, take 10 of these cards for my one card. And that's usually not a good deal for most people. Um, And people are trying to consolidate. I hear a lot of like, oh, I'll give you 20 cards for five cards or something. And I'm like, as someone who does a lot of trading of like mid to mid-level cards, I'm like, dude, I don't really want to do that. Like, I only want to trade at the same level, like two for two or like, I'll do like four for two, you know, that level, but I'm not going to do like a huge lot for one single card. I've only done that a couple of times when I've had the means to make that happen. But um, this is a classic case, Max, of the consolidation is just what I, I like to talk about the collecting gut, my gut as a collector. And sometimes I'll see a card, mainly it's like a show radar thing. I think I've talked about this a little bit before where like where I'm at a show and I see a card and I'm like, I don't know if I've seen that card before. And it, it just makes me instantly want to buy it. This Posey, I've thought about a lot, but only in a distant future sense. But now that I have the inventory to make it happen, I think, and the ways of liquidating my cards that I do have into making that cash that I can spend pay to you is very, very, very exciting to me. And I cannot wait to make it happen, Max. Let's, let's fucking go. Yes, I love hookups and I'm glad that we are able to make this happen. Um, something that I think is, you know, when we're remarking there, because you really gave a lot of meat on that bone and I'm going to ha- eat my filet in full. There is, because when we're talking about, you know, look, that you see a card, you buy it, you have a lot of cheap cards in your binders. I am that way at heart. I have my Glaber binder, which although hasn't been added too much too lately, a little bit was of that is intentional just because if I buy a $5 labor card, that means 20 of them becomes a $100 bill, a nice little Ben Franklin. And those are cards, not only that, I mean, I don't want to move them. I'm buying them for enjoyment. I'm buying them like I am a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup at Rite Aid. But they're cards that really become where you can't move them unless they're scarce, even then, and then you have liquidity issues. The one thing that's nice about having a bigger PC card, which I will once again grab my Glaber Torres Red Ink, which I am above comps on, if it is ever going for sale, to, or at least I think it is above comps, is that if I want to liquidate this, I can. It's one of Glaber's better cards. I'm holding the Heritage Red Ink for the Audible listeners. But it's something that, okay, if I, you know, Glaber Torres gets traded, I can move that quickly and move on rather than having my binder, which against my will, I'm not able to move. Regarding trading, which you also mentioned, you love trading. Our first interaction was in a failed misconnection trade. But with that aside, I try to trade with a liquidity and dealer's mindset in mind, unless it's something that I need to have. Like I have, you know, I finagled in some rarer trout stuff, not necessarily high value, just rarer stuff. I have a camo out of 25 from 2022 top series one of Mike Trout. There's only 24 other copies. Copies of camos in general just don't sell that much. I would rather have using that as trade ammo for a rarer trout or something that's similar than $300 cash. 
because I know $300 cash, I'm not necessarily going to be able to find another camera. This is, that's actually really interesting. So I, this week I was, I was listening to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, which was the podcast that kind of got me into sports podcasting back in middle school. And I don't listen to it too often, but I was taking a flight and I always listen to whatever his recent one was on my flights. Um, and he was talking about his trade value rankings of the NBA players, which is like a valuing of how valuable a player is based on their trade value. And it actually made me start thinking about like cards trade value, like a card trade value power ranking and how like that is different. And I think there's multiple factors involved. One of them is, you know, who you're selling, who you're trading to. If you're trading to a collector, a rare trout like that is extremely valuable, probably over whatever you could probably get on eBay because maybe there aren't any up on eBay. Um, if you're trading I'm to a dealer. Draw... No, what do you say? Oh, so I'm going to draw a parallel to an episode of the Sasha T podcast when he hosted She Collects Cards. And She Collects Cards was specifically referencing how with the highest end of F1 collectors, I'm not sure if Sunsport trading was mentioned it's when he was on our pod but once you get to the highest end you know types of diehard f1 collectors they don't necessarily want cash they want the rare card because the rare card is what is less scarce to an extent everyone has cash to some degree or volume but there's only so many copies of an out of 10 or a one of one or a lewis hamilton auto or mike trout vet you know short printed camo or something of the like so there is a degree to where I have some cards that I am above comps intentionally for because I know I know my true worth and true value, saying that a little bit jokingly, but because you know that you're not going to be able to see one again and that you can stretch the monetary value you can get for it. Yeah, and something that it is making me think about is like if you're trading with a collector versus a dealer, and I've done both these things, the dealer wants cards that are li- liquid, you know? Like, you can trade a dealer 10 Ju- Aaron Judge rookie cards at $15 value for a $150 card when he knows he's going to get $25 each on those Judge cards. But maybe a normal collector doesn't want 10 Aaron Judge rookie cards. You know, they don't want that much volume or whatever. Um, so that's something to think about, I think, when you think about trading a card. But, yeah, I think the rarity aspect, we've talked a lot about the differences in rarity and how that rarity impacts value and how certain things that are rare aren't always super valuable. Um, but I think trade trade value is something that we haven't really talked about with those cards. I think it's really important. Um, like that Buster Posey autograph redemption, that card has insane trade value because you're not going to see another one or you're not going to, someone's not going to be available, you know, around to make that happen. And as we talked about, if you really are trying to do like some serious baseball card collecting and do put together a really cool collection. And one we've always talked about, is the Topps Chrome Hall of Fame autograph run, which we have talked about, but not for a long time. And I think it's worth bringing up now with the Tatis news, with everything going on, with like people, the sky is falling with Tatis taking roids or something. And um, it's worth bringing up again because collecting is fun and like projecting out modern collecting. Stop screaming. Turn your sound off, bro. (laughs) I thought the sound was off. No, I've heard oh, all no. your screenshots. All right, you shout out everyone. I, to... <laughs> I should have said earlier. All okay, right, well, everyone at home. No, I'm no, screenshotting you... interesting cards. In my, I know, I know, I know. You're good. You're good. So every time in this episode you've heard the little sh- sound, that's just Max making the podcast better. So 
everything yes. everyone can forget about that but how does um, it work regardless i'm not know. the producer Honestly, i'm not the producer of this podcast for a reason this is something people have talked to me about they're like you guys are so bad with like technology on this podcast <laughs> and i'm like dude young old heads we're still old heads just let us be the content is what it's all about it's about the words that we say yeah not the necessarily pro. the weird the sounds that yeah, the poetry, not necessarily the weird sounds you hear pop up in the background, but uh, it's just more authentic. We'll, you know? get, we'll, authentic get, this, we'll get this. We'll get this kinked out by episode one sixty eight. Don't worry. Oh, by episode one hundred, we're gonna have a studio. I'll be kicking it. We're gonna be drinking. Are we getting sponsors? I think the first. Well, I just saw something on Twitter about how J.R. Smith was so good in the NBA and so popular that Hennessy sponsored the NBA. So I'm starting to think that maybe. We can go outside of cards for our first sponsorship. We'll see that. We'll see. I, I do oh, see ComC sponsoring a lot of podcasts these days. I like what ComC does just in general. I just want to give a quick shout out to ComC on a random aside. I just like what they do. Um, but the back to the trade value aspect of things, it's like, this is a trade for me, basically, buying the Spencer Posey card because I'm someone who does trade a lot. So I'm like, and I've heard, I've heard this said on Twitter a bunch where like, we don't need to do a trade, but let's just sell. And then, like, let's trade cash, basically. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And that's what kind of what I wanted to do here with uh, the Buster Posey card that you have. Basically, trade all of my cards that are a lot of significant portion of, like, half collections that I've built. Like, I'm trading out a lot of my flagship rookie cards from Tops Baseball, like, guys that I think are going to be in the Hall of Fame in the future. Because, first, I collect Gold Cups now, primarily. So, I'm, I've been wanting to get rid of those anyway. And two, because I know I need cash for the first time ever. Really, I need cash to buy a card. So it's going to be fun to do that. Um, I'm looking forward to reflecting on that process and future episodes too, because um, it's always it's always easy to say you're going to do something, but the actual process of going through and making it happen is, is always difficult. I've heard a lot like, oh, I love eBay. The people that love eBay are the people that like list cards on eBay and the people that hate eBay are like, uh, listing would take forever and they never list their cards. Is that something that you felt before too, Max? I like buying on eBay. I like selling on eBay. I like trying to, and I think I was saying this in early ep- earlier episodes, a common theme is referencing earlier episodes in this podcast, but trying to get the card to where it's going to its final step and its final home to the farthest extent that you possibly can, whether that's a PC player, collector, or an investor. I moved a my Gabriel Arias orange mega psa 10 it was something that i cracked from an sgc 10 i bought it right before he got hurt and then he was scorching hot in pricing and then just went cold and i definitely took a loss on the card which for a sgc 10 to psa 10 crossover i previously thought would be impossible but i crossed over and still lost money part and I sold it to a gabriel arias investor who is still a believer on him and someone who I know is going to be holding the card for the next several months. And I'm happy, not, I mean, happy in two respects. One that I am giving it to the demographic of buyer that is going to pay the most for that card, as well as it going to a good home with a lot of other Gabriel Arias cards. Shout out. Or is it, or is it Arias? I'm not sure. Who knows? Max mispronounces things all the time. We're going to give him a slide on that. Um, Max, there's one other thing I want to talk to you about this week. And I didn't preface this to you before because I just want to get your raw emotions on this. You um, always give it to me blind. 
I know I do. <laughs> but you started some you have some beef with an MLB player, an ex MLB player now. And I wanna hear I wanna hear the story behind how that happened. No, 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 no beef. I would never do any beef. Um, just a little poking fun, which some people take the wrong way, not even necessarily saying this baseball player, but um I we have a clip on this show of Tatis being free money. And I have joked and jested around on how good of a buy Fernando Tatis is. But when he gets a little bit of a PED suspension, the prices go down. So uh, after a series of tweets making fun of myself, I decided to poke a little fun at former MLB pitcher Phil Hughes saying I looked at his Tatis Sapphire rainbow and I said something along the lines of, okay, well, at least I don't own this. And then he responds about how I will not be able to afford it. And then the next morning, 5 a.m. Pacific time, or maybe he couldn't sleep that night because thinking of my tweet, I am getting ready to go to the Empire State Show. I send a picture of my jean jacket at 8 a.m. And then he responds, okay, at least I don't know this. Or it was the exact diction of what I said in my original tweet. And I found that to be funny. And then what I found so out to found it even funnier was someone took a Phil Hughes game used relic and they photoshopped a jean jacket on it. And I just find that to be the funniest thing. But no, it was not a personal attack against Phil. No, I'm not making fun of the Tatis injury, nor am I happy about it. I've had some people say that I am happy at other people's misery, especially with the weird context that I am obviously losing some stuff on Tatis going in the red as well. I'm not happy that someone who is on a, was on a possible, maybe quasi in a blue moon, not a blue moon hall of fame trajectory may have that jeopardized, but not financial advice. I'll be buying Tatis a few months from now. This won't be the last you hear from me. Oh boy. So for the people back home, if you don't know when Max puts on a jean jacket, it's basically like Tiger Woods putting on a red shirt on Sunday. It's like he's going into his card show mode. It's a big, important thing. So yeah, full full Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, full Canadian tuxedo. It's really something to see. And Phil Hughes acknowledging it, I think just as a legitimizes cards, Max more and more as possibly one of the best Twitter personalities out there. And we, we can clip this. Phil Hughes, no hard feelings. I like to poke fun, and I'm glad you poke fun at me back. Yes, Phil Hughes, we love you here. Come on the pod, please. Um, but the basically, I just want people to know that you know you're losing on Tatis too. You're not actually happy. Oh, which is the only, the only reason why I made the joke in the first place is because I'm losing on Tatis as well. Yeah, and we're about self-deprecation here. That's what we I, love to do. I bought a, I bought Tatis today. Dude, why are you? I, all right. you. I bought a ten. This is going to be a really interesting uh, to see what happens with a Tatis, man. It's going to be really I, interesting. To see I was, I I was on a friend's whatnot stream. Shout out at Dolly Rosvani. Um, he is streaming on whatnot every Saturday and Sunday afternoon. And shout, shout out some, Dari. Shout out Dari. I love Dari. And of course, I try to be there to support as well as make sure deals don't fall too far down the cracks. And he threw up a Bowman's Best Fernando Tatis 2019 rookie card auto out of 99. It was a PSA 9 with a 10 auto. And I won it for $200, which maybe I'm crazy for buying this 
quick into the news, but I'm thinking no matter what Tatis rookie card ink that's licensed and numbered for $200 sounds like a good deal to me regardless. So I jumped on that. That's the first Tatis I have bought for post PED news. I am probably going to be dropping more Tatis. No, I'm going to probably be dropping most of my Tatis off at the consigner that I use, PC Sports Cards. They're local on Long Island. I love them. They're like a top seven eBay seller for sports cards. I love them. They process fast. I'm probably going to be dropping most of my Tatis off. I am going to be keeping my iconic Tatis PSA 8 Blue Mini out of 10 for all the people that know my PC or know what is in my backpack very well. That card is staying in the household, and this is a good time to live, laugh, love Tatis. Yeah, I... Wow, this is just making my heart so full listening to her talk about this. Uh, first of all, the Tatis Mini out of 10 is one of the best cards out there. I will die on that hill. Alex, Saratoga Slab is going to hate on it, but shout out that card. Ridiculous that you bought Tatis. Um, this is saying that as someone who collects Barry Bonds cards on every occasion. Um, pretty funny that you're doing that. But I'm just sad, man. I love Tatis. I love baseball. I like... I loved had I love collecting Tatis's gold cups and I love him as a player watching him hit dingers and I think he's so good for baseball. And I know we don't really do like this is news that really hits both you know the collecting card world and as well as like I know I always say we can't do sports. Yeah, it's analysis. the collecting, collecting and the flipping. Yeah, and I I can't. This isn't talking sports analysis here. This is just collecting feelings. Like I feel like. I'd be remiss if I didn't just like emphasize how sad it is that this is happening and how much of a bummer it is. And maybe that's my ignorance. Like I wasn't online collecting during like Ryan Braun's original thing. And I I've heard his name tossed around a bunch with the Tatis news about how his career started and you know, the impact of the PED news there. And that's definitely worth some, like if you're looking to buy Tatis cards right now, that's a good market to look at because Obviously, Braun didn't really have the career pan out quite as well as people still think Tatis might turn out. But I don't know. Regardless, bad news for collectors or possible good news. Yes, I don't know, man. Good news for collectors. Tell me how it is. I am telling you that the biggest thing to come from this is how Tatis is not getting the PED suspension for his performance in 2021, 2020, but rather during the concealing of the injury and the recovery from the injury. When we're looking, you know, let's say Tatis continues the trajectory that he had as of the end of last season from a per career performance standpoint, when we're looking at the hall of fame, I think we get into a situation that's closer to David Ortiz than one of Barry Bonds where sure it's a, so it is a PED suspension that he tests positive for, but one where it was when he was recovering and when there was an MLB lockout at the time. It's one where there's a kind of an asterisk and it's not like, okay, you are getting your PED suspension for like Robinson Cano for performance and you and your performance declines immediately once you get caught. Yeah, I think I I do really believe that if Tatis comes back and kills it, people are going to be willing to forgive this. They did with Ortiz, and I think it's very likely that it can happen with Tatis. This is not saying by Tatis, but that's definitely where I'm at on it, where I've landed on it, where I'm like, it's a bummer, but let's see what you got, man. Like, if you prove yourself consistently, you know, people are willing to forgive, and I think that that, you know, 
could change. I think collecting wise, I think the hobby has shown a significant deterrence to anyone who who is related to steroids. Um, I think, you know, bonds is obviously really hard to compare the steroid era because of the junk wax era alongside it. You can't really compare those guys quite as much, just the lack of variations and, you know, rare cards that do come out of that. But, you know, bonds cards still sell for a lot, but obviously bonds had the longest, one of the longest careers ever and like broke all these records. So that's a whole different ball game. So a rod probably is a good example as well to look into. I know his cards don't go for too much these days. I don't, even really know if he has to like i don't what even is the biggest air rod card do you know max off the top of your head i don't know i have no idea yeah let's not talk about that then <laughs> but um You're I think that, my knowledge so other than phil hughes being a young old head there's one other thing that i wanted to talk to you about this week which is you were buying quarterback cards and i wanted to know what the deal is with that which quarterbacks was it? i think i bought dabbled in some kyler murray and i dabbled in some jalen hurts yes you did why why okay. are you doing that um, the Kyler Murray's was just me buying at the New Yorker show, the Big Apple. People wanted cash out at 70%. I paid aggressive. So this is my full philosophy. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think I bought a Brady card, which I've since traded. I bought a Kyler Murray XRC and I bought a Kyler Murray RPA. On the first two cards, I was just purely buying at 70% and I sold them pretty, pretty quickly. And that is just the numbers game. The whole point of buying at 70% is so that you can act like a Neanderthal and just purely number churn. And I don't have to know every single, I mean, I'm fluent in sports cards and I love cards and I love cards and I love cards, but I'm not an expert in football cards, but that gives enough margin to where you can make it a little bit of a lubricant and a slippery slope and be successful in doing it. The Kyler Murray RPA I was thinking that the last comp was in May and that I was going to pay a little bit more aggressive to that, but there was a July comp that was the exact same thing as the May comp. So that's one where I'm a little bit hazier on my margins will be a little bit thinner, but one where I am taking that risk anyway. So the Jalen hurts, however, was an eBay bin buy and I was stretching my knowledge of parallels knowing that retail in 2020 select, I believe in later select releases as well, there are the retail exclusive zebra die cuts and the hobby exclusive zebra full cards. The it is important now. They obviously look similar. The retail die cuts for zebras and the full card for zebras, but since the full card zebras are hobby only, they are significantly more short printed, or at least more short printed enough to where it matters. And I saw a full zebra listed at the same price as what zebra die cuts were going for, and I slammed it in. I don't know if that's going to work out for me, but it was just me trying to make the best of my parallel expertise knowledge. That's a cool buy. I didn't, that's a cool like backstory on it, why you bought it. I will say that Select was never was retail before 2020. 2020 was the first year of Select retail, so just, just so you know. But um, good to hear your background. I was a little worried for you. I know we, taught, we like to joke about quarterbacks on here, but... Yeah, seeing you buy some, I wanted to check in, make sure. Oh, absolutely. Make sure that I'm the same Max that I was before. But it's fun. It is fun to dabble. Um, I always, from a dealer standpoint, it's good to broaden because mostly I don't want to limit myself to just being baseball, especially given the liquidity at certain price points. Like you are much more able to liquidate a $4,000 football card 
than you are a $4,000 baseball card for modern, in my yeah. opinion, at a, at a looking at it in a blanket. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good point about like diversifying. Like we like to joke about it, but it's also like it is liquid and people do buy it. So it's like at some point you don't have to buy it. Not every card you buy has to be a card that you like are 100% certain is like the card that you would hold for a year if you had to. You know, it's like that's sort of where you're at right now. Um, that's why we're trying to get you employed. And then maybe you want to be buying Kyler Murray cards. So, uh, oh, Max- I, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. That's what I tell yeah, myself. Yeah, you're going to be fine, dude. We're all going to be fine. This is a really good episode because I feel like it really let people into the the nonsense that goes on behind the scenes of this podcast. So we're a little yes. buttoned up most of the time, but this is a late night edition after dark, young old heads. Episode it, is 12, 20, it is It is 12, 26 a.m. I got one more one more thing, and then I'm going to let you go, Max. I had – there's going to be a new, co- new uh, little bit here at the end that I want to do every week, which is called cards I thought about collecting this week. Cards that you saw on eBay at a show, on Instagram, on Twitter, and we're like, damn, that's a cool card. What if I collected that? And then you were like, no, nah, I can't do that. So this is my thing of the week. Um, I watched A League of Their Own with my girlfriend this week, and she had never seen it. Great movie um there's no crying in baseball but i started to look into those of uh all american women's baseball league cards that there's some weird sets that got released throughout the years and i was like huh this could be a cool thing to collect i'm not gonna let myself do it just because what i don't need more things to collect but i thought that was like i don't know it's kind of cool there are those cards out there if anyone's like really loves that movie or like someone that they know loves that movie those cards are out there if you want them Max, you have anything like that this week? I didn't really give you time to prep this. Yeah. So you don't have to. Um, cards that, yeah. So I guess I've been on a window shopping binge of, you know, I've dabbled in high end or not, excuse me, definitely not high end trout, but low numbered veteran trout sometimes because it's fun. And I don't know whether it's just because some of the Instagram accounts that follow that I follow that have show, been showing me this kind of content, but I've been looking more at, window shopping Bryce Harper and Miguel Cabrera, like super fractor one of ones. I was watching a 2016 Bowman Chrome Bryce Harper super fractor that ended that auction for like 600 bucks. And I'm like, okay, that is like a very, that's like a significant amount of money to where I can't just throw it on my mantle. But also that is a wicked sick card, super fractor of a hall of famer. So I don't know if that's entirely in the spirit of what I would collect, but I was definitely doing my research on like really interesting veteran hall of famer guys and their super factors and what their market usually does just for kind of enjoyment purposes. And, Oh, I would buy this if it made sense to collect. That's a really good answer. That's a really, really good answer. I know nothing about that market at all. Honestly, never really feel like I oh, see I, old super fractors like that. So I'm excited to ask you more questions about this. In the coolest time. card I saw in the past week was this morning. I saw, I really wish um, Kimball knows, probably knows this in and out, Sunsport Trading. But um, I saw a Topps Triple Threads, Triple Relic of... FDR, Harry Truman, and Dwight Eisenhower. And the guy was above comps, but also, like, there's not many comps to begin with. I know, like, a JFK, Clinton, and another president triple relic did 200, and this guy's price was 200 for the FDR 
Eisenhower, yeah. Truman, bought a copy of the FDR Eisenhower Truman. They're like 50 bucks. And it's like a year ago. And I'm like, I can't pay Ford X that. But that was the coolest card where it's like, I want to buy this and not sell it because this is a piece of history. I was, at, I was at Teddy Roosevelt's house this weekend as well. And that was fun and cool. And I got a little tour of the house. And that was cool. We didn't even talk about it. I was at Field of Dreams game last week. <laughs> we oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're dressing up in the little outfits. You're getting on the Ludex. Download the app now. Just released yeah. basketball. Ludix just released just released basketball. Shout out yes. that. But, shout, uh, out, shout out Ludix. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Shout out Ludix, obviously. Shout out all the boys. Um, no, we were in we were in Iowa. I was in Dyersville, Iowa, for the Field of Dreams game, which was unbelievable. Dude. That place is so cool, and like the whole setup is just so small town. It kind of reminded me of like some of the small golf tournaments I've been to in my life, which is a really niche thing to say, but um. Yeah, really cool experience being there. I got to meet up with like an old friend who works at the MLB now. So got to watch the game. I saw a bunch of like old Hall of Famers walking around. There was only like under, there's like around 8,000 people there. So to be one of the people there is really cool and lucky. So um, yeah, you, you want to, you want something crazy, Max, about this thing? To get to the field, crazy. to get to the baseball field, like where the game is, you have to go through the field from the movie. And you have to go through the corn. You have to walk through like three or four feet of corn to get to the path. So it looks like everyone is ghosts going through this. Like I was like watching from home play of the movie field. And I was like, what? Everyone has to go through the center field. That looks crazy. Like, but it's just a mass of people. And it looks like you're a ghost when you like are looking from the outside, which is pretty cool. Um, Tops had a Tops truck there. The Tops truck sucks. They gave out terrible packs. They don't really have anything to offer there be better tops about the tops track please um just have a better presence at future events that'd be great for the hobby i think um and other things to say just like it was very small and there's a lot of cool people there but i don't know how much something like that grows the game of baseball it's a really cool thing for fans but my idea for baseball is that every team in the mlb should have to play one home game somewhere else from their home stadium so like my idea is like it'd be super cool if the Giants played a game on Alcatraz or like you know some uh, you know whatever the Mariners played a game in Alaska or something like that. I think every team should be forced to play one game away at a cool place like that. I think would make the baseball way more fun. Add a little element of coolness to something that is a sport that is often lacking in coolness. So that's my two cents on that, Max. Do you have any thoughts on that before we wrap it up here? I want to hark on that. Tops and Panini need to have better presence and expand the hobby. Expand the hobby, be a young old head, and we'll see you guys next week. Max, peace. Chicka chicka. <laughs>